0: Welcome to the podcast, Rethinking the End Times, which is an extension of the Kings and Priests podcast by Urban Eden Community. You can visit the website at urbanedencmty.com. So let's talk about the big one, the coming of the Son of Man. And I want to start off by bringing something that challenges what we've been taught. What we've been taught is that when the scriptures speak about the coming of the Son of Man, is speaking about Jesus's return in the far future. But what did the scriptures say? How did the scriptures describe the son of man? We keep going back to that. What picture do the scriptures paint? If you remember towards the beginning of this discussion that Jesus is having in Matthew 24, he's speaking to the disciples and they ask Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming? Many of us think that they're talking about Jesus coming back on this earth. But look what happens in Luke's account of this conversation. In Luke 17:31 through 34, then Jesus took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished for he will be delivered to the Gentiles and he will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge and kill him And on the third day, he will rise again. But look at the next verse. But they understood none of these things. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things that were spoken. Jesus said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back again. And they didn't understand it. They were like, what? What are you talking about? You're going to come back again. They couldn't comprehend it. So how could they not understand that, yet ask a question at the beginning of a conversation that says, what will be the sign of your coming? Maybe they're not speaking about what Jesus is speaking about. If they were talking about Jesus coming back to this earth in a physical form, then why would they not know what Jesus was talking about when he said he was coming back? That doesn't make sense. But the reason it doesn't make sense is because we don't understand what they were asking. They knew what they were asking, but we've westernized scripture to make it sound like they were asking something that they were never asking. So let's dive into that. The coming of the Son of Man. In order to understand this saying, we must first understand that when Jesus speaks of the coming of the Son of Man, he's referring to Daniel 7, 13 through 14. And that reference in Daniel 7 is set within a judgment scene before the throne of God. Daniel seven thirteen says this, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Track with me for a second. We see here that in this text, the coming of the son of man was to the ancient of days. In other words, it was to God. And we can parallel that with Matthew sixteen twenty-eight, where I see that Jesus is saying, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the coming of the Son of Man in his kingdom. Did you hear that? How could he be talking about an event Thousands of years later, when he says, Some of you that are standing here, listening to me speak at this moment, will not taste death until you see the coming of the Son of Man in his kingdom. And note, it doesn't say coming to this earth or coming to this world, but in his kingdom. That's a huge difference. What we're being told in this passage is that Jesus will reveal himself as king. And note this, coming, the coming of the Son of Man, coming in its original language, the Greek, can also mean a revealing. And the scriptures speak many times about this revealing. What they're asking Jesus is Jesus, when are you going to reveal yourself? They knew that Jesus was bringing a kingdom. Reread the prophecy in Isaiah that the governance of God will be on the sun and he would bring forth the kingdom of God on this earth and it would forever expand. They knew that. But they thought he was going to bring a kingdom like the rest of the kingdoms of this earth. And we even see them asking this question, when will you bring your kingdom, Lord? When will you bring your kingdom, Jesus? And he says, you don't get it. The kingdom is within you. They wanted Jesus to set up his kingdom. They knew the prophets prophesied about it. And they were asking Jesus, when are you going to reveal yourself as king? That is Jesus coming in his kingdom. That is Jesus being revealed in his kingdom as king. We know that when Jesus was resurrected, he took his kingship. At the right hand of the father when he sat on the throne. But they had not seen the fruits of that. They had not seen the fruits of Jesus's kingship. Except for the resurrection. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had not seen the fruits of Jesus's kingship yet. It had not been revealed yet to the world. That kingship had not been revealed yet. And the early church saw. That the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the destruction of old covenant governance, they viewed that as Jesus' revealing that he is king of his kingdom. And the scriptures even back that up. At that time, the revealing of the Son of Man was happening. We know that Elijah, which Jesus said was John the Baptist, We know that he showed up, proclaiming that the Messiah would come, just as it states in Malachi 4, with salvation and judgment. Or in other words, in kingdom and in judgment. Then Jesus is born. He sets up his kingdom on this earth, and he establishes a new governing authority, the church. Then Jesus is resurrected, and he takes his place at the right hand of God as King Jesus, and the apostles started preaching Jesus as King. We see that in the book of Acts. But at that point, Jesus had never presented himself or revealed himself as King until 70 AD, when Jerusalem and the temple were completely destroyed. Then the church took its place on this earth as the full governing authority of God's kingdom, setting us as sons, as ambassadors, as kings and priests, as his holy nation on this earth. As I said, even the early church writings used 70 AD to prove that Jesus was revealing himself as king during this destruction. This revealing of Jesus changed everything. The old way of governing was brought to an end. And the full authority of the new covenant governance took its place on this earth through the saints. No longer did God reside in a temple made of hands. No longer were sacrifices going to be made as a form of worship in a temple. No longer would you have to bring offerings and tithes and sacrifices and praises and worship to a temple made of hands. No longer would you have to go to a temple to experience the presence of God. 70 A.D. was a full manifestation of what King Jesus put in order when he took his place at the right hand of God. And he made us to be the temple of his spirit. He made us new creations and seated us with him in heavenly places. We are seated with him now in that place of governance. He entrusted us His church with the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he gave us all authority saying, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That old covenant governance is out of the way. Now take your place as kings and priests on this earth. He gave all power and authority over to the church on this earth. He gave us the task as ambassadors to bring the light to darkness and to present God's reconciliation through Christ Jesus to the world. We have been sent forth with the message, be reconciled to God. The battle has been won. Now the possession of the earth is taking place through his saints. And let me go a little bit deeper with this. I want to look at some timestamps within scripture that speak to the coming of the Son of Man, that speak to Jesus' revealing. And we just read Matthew 16, 28, but I want to read it again. I want to drive it home. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here that shall not taste death till they see the coming of the Son of Man in his kingdom. Assuredly, I say to you, There are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the coming of the Son of Man in his kingdom. That scripture says enough for me. But we have plenty more. But it straight up is giving you a timestamp and letting us know that we should not be waiting for the revealing or the coming of Jesus thousands of years later. When Jesus said himself that there were some standing here that he was speaking to that will not taste death till they see it. It's a bold and clear statement. Look at James 5 7 through 11. James says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See that? Straight up timestamp. He's saying, I know you're seeing this world come apart. I know that you're seeing what the prophet spoke of being fulfilled. I know you're on the edge of your seat saying, Jesus, when are you going to deliver us from this? Where is our salvation? And he's telling them at that time, be patient until the revealing of Jesus. And he goes on to say, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it. Until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming or the revealing of the Lord is at hand. Timestamp. We've talked about this. How the book of Revelation talks about these things are at hand. Well, we're seeing it again right here. These things are at hand. In other words, these things are happening. We're in it. We're at that moment. It says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Jesus, the judge, is standing at the door. We're at that moment. He's here, he's at the door. Many preach that we're in that time right now, nearly 2,000 years after James wrote this. But that's not what these things are speaking to. It's speaking to that generation the generation that these letters were being written to. Jesus said this to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, again, he's saying it again. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, not in the earth, in his kingdom, a timestamp, undeniable. Jesus didn't lie. You don't have to go through an obstacle track to interpret this scripture correctly. It says what it says. Look at Luke twenty-one twenty-seven through 33. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. By the way, clouds represent the saints within Scripture. That's in his kingdom. Jesus comes within us. The kingdom of God is manifested in and through us. Where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of us. He's being manifested every time we gather. But let's continue on. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things will begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. Assuredly, I say to you, here we go again. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There we go again, over, over, and over again. Jesus is saying, it's going to happen in your generation. We see that in Matthew 23. And then over and over again, Jesus says, some of you are going to taste death before you see this happening. And look at verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And if you haven't heard my teaching on heaven, earth, and sea, I would encourage you to go check it out. But basically, in the scripture, heaven, earth, and sea represent the temple. Heaven and earth, the inner courts and outer courts. He's saying the temple is going to pass away, but my words will by no means never pass away. Romans 13, 11, and 12. It says, And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. We talk about the last days. We talk about the end of time. Jesus is telling them right here. He's telling that generation that the hour is here, it's happening, it's at hand, we're in the middle of it. Wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. This was speaking to the times that they were facing the governance that had been in order for thousands of years was coming to an end, and everyone knew it. Everyone knew it. It was a huge moment in time. A huge moment. A moment we will never forget for all of eternity. Everything they had been waiting for was about to be implemented. The government that Jesus brought on his shoulders was taking full reign. And look at Luke seventeen twenty through 37. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, you see, they were looking for a kingdom like they saw all other kingdoms of the world. But that's not what Jesus brought. Jesus answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Then Jesus addressed the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you won't see it. And they will say to you, look here and look there. Do not go after them and don't follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things, and be rejected by this generation. Another timestamp, that generation was the generation that Jesus was speaking of. And let me continue to take you on a journey through the account that Luke lays out. When you jump over to Luke 18, Luke lays out some things that Jesus said after he spoke about his coming. And then in verse 41, he says this, And as Jesus drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you would have known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and they will level you, you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is Jesus speaking over Jerusalem. It says, Then Jesus went into the temple, and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And Jesus was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of all the people sought to destroy him, but were unable to do anything, for all of the people were very attentive to hear Jesus. And you'll see the progression of what Jesus is laying out, of the context in which he's speaking. You look over to Luke 20. Starting in verse 9. Then Jesus began to tell the people this parable. And listen to this, it's super powerful. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to the vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty handed. And again, he sent another servant and they beat him also, treated him shamefully and sent him away empty handed. Talking about the prophets. God kept sending the prophets to them, but they kept beating them and killing them and sending them away empty handed. And again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. He's talking about the father. He's going to send his beloved son. They will probably respect him when they see him. But the vine dressers saw the son and they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. That is what the governance of the old covenant of that time, that is what they sought out to do. They knew who Jesus was, and they sought out to kill him. Verse 15, So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard this, they said, Certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to a powder. And the chief priests and the scribes, the governance of that time at that very hour sought to lay hands on Jesus, but they feared the people for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. This, my friends, is exactly what the coming of Jesus in his kingdom looked like. It was a governance change. It was God saying, enough with the old. Enough with the old covenant corrupt governance. Jesus has set up his kingdom. And from that moment forward, it has full reign through his saints. And from the time the old covenant was destroyed, The full reign of what Jesus brought took its place through his saints. And before we end this segment, I want to share with you some content from a friend of mine. This is from Cindy Coates. And if you haven't heard from her, I would recommend you look her up. Check out her podcast. She is a mama in the faith. She is loaded. She is right on. I love her stuff. But she says this. She says, It is the assumption of many teachers that the words coming of the Son of Man must mean the second coming. Once we realize that Jesus is simply using a phrase from Daniel 7 to allude to the whole prophecy, verses such as this one in Matthew are easily understood. Jesus was not predicting that his second coming would happen within the lifetime of some of his hearers, He was referring to the fulfillment of Daniel 7, his revealing of his kingship of the kingdom of God. When Jesus spoke to his disciples about his future coming, after his ascending, he was referring to a time of judgment that would occur in their lifetime, when the temple would be destroyed, bringing an end to the old covenant messianic system. We must give up traditional beliefs and assumptions that conflict with the integrity and divine inspiration of Scripture. It is a bit of a shock at first, I know. I remember how I was challenged to study this for myself. But once I realized that Christ had already come and that he lives in the body of believers, it's a lot more exciting. No more sense of abandonment. No feeling like the Lord is delaying his coming. He is here, right here, right now. Rethinking the End Times podcast is an extension of Kings and Priests podcast by Urban Eden Community. To learn more about us, to get resources, or to get info on our monthly events, visit the website urbanedencmty and consider sowing a financial seed to help us spread the message of the kingdom. Details on the website.